This is John Gramstrand, and I'm a certified energy specialist for CHS Ag Services in Stephen, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. We begin with Harvest Hotline. Harvest Hotline brought to you by the North Dakota Mill, Amity Technology, Ag Country Farm Credit Services, and by Pivot Bio. St. Thomas, uh, Thomas, North Dakota farmer Alan Tucker wrapped up his harvest a few weeks ago. Finished sugar beets was the last thing, which was done in mid-October, and uh, so we're doing other nice things now. Doing some tillage and trying to manage some straw and some, and smooth out some fields to make it for a better seed bed for next year. Um, so, yes, we, we have been getting some tillage done. We're on hold today. Low of 18 degrees last night has us uh, pause. Maybe our season is over. That would be just fine with us. Uh, we're, we're in great shape. We did some fall fertilizer. We did catch, uh, oh, depending on where you were standing on our farm, between a quarter and a half inch of rain about 10 days ago, and it really helped a lot. Um, so uh, we have been applying some fertilizer and working it in. And Tucker was very satisfied with his crops. Ours were quite phenomenal, honestly. We had uh, best beet crop ever, best potato crop ever, and a real good dry bean crop and a real good wheat crop. So um, we're pretty ecstatic on our farm. Badger, Minnesota farmer Shane Isney says despite a short growing season, yields for crops in the area were strong. Our ryegrass and our spring wheat uh, were uh, not bin busters, but they were good crops. And uh, soybeans turned out, um, you know, better than probably average. We got some late rain that really helped there. And, and corn was, was not a bad crop either. So I guess overall we're pretty satisfied. It was a challenging year, uh, you know, trying to cram six months of growing season into five months. It got to be a, a little hectic, but I... Uh, I think most people up here in this area are pretty pleased with the way things turned out. After wrapping up corn harvest earlier this week, Isney says fall field work is underway. Well, along with our tillage, so we've, we've done actually been doing a lot of fall fertilizer, uh, hoping um, uh, you know we can get things in good shape, and that's what we've been focusing on. So we're pretty well set going into spring um, as far as the uh, P and K and different. Uh, uh, different fertilizers we'll put our nitrogen on in the spring but so that's what we've kind of been focused on the mother nature has allowed us to get a lot of that done and uh, fertilized and worked in and and trying to get just trying to get the fields in nice shape uh, and hopefully we can get things off to a good start in the spring and that's harvest hotline presented by pivot bio the north dakota mill amity technology and egg country farm credit services over 85% of the U.S. is covered in drought, which is a new record high. USDA meteorologist Brad Ripley says the recent drought monitor showed a good chunk of the drought coverage is in the lower states at 62.8%. And that represents more than 10 percentage point increase from four weeks ago in early October. And it's almost 19 percentage points higher than our autumn 2022 minimum of just over 44%. Rippy says the drought has expand, expanded. Eastward into the Midwest, the Mississippi Valley, and the Southeast as the footprint of drought has been ever expanding during what turned out to be the driest September since 1956 and what was also a very dry October. 
Crop input costs continue to rise. Syngenta Crop Protection President Vern Hawkins says that includes ag chem products. Cost of raw materials is up, which influences the price tag for crop protection products. Don't think that that is going to uh, subside in most active ingredients in 2023. Uh, there are a couple that I think are softening. But as I said earlier, it's important that growers don't take the couple that are softening as the trend for the, the whole portfolio of crop protection products. Because when the global supply chains are running full out like they are right now, the only way to get more product is to access another source if you can find it. And normally that comes at a higher cost in addition to the raw materials themselves. The supply chain has improved over the past year, and there are still some products being allocated. But it wouldn't be the general trend. Uh, In Syngenta, what we're trying to do is what we call manage supply, is get these customer plans in place and um, then have good communication with our distributors and retailers around the timing of delivery on those products. And what's as important of the active ingredient is what mix of products, because we can make a number of different products with one active ingredient. And uh, so we're not allocating those products uh, at this time, um, but we are managing the supply side pretty tight. Brock Associates President and CEO Richard Brock says the soybean market has been a tough one to trade. Soybean has a, a market of its own. But the other thing about it, take a look at the last three months. I mean, you know, if you're a trader, the soybean market's been impossible. There's no trend in this market. And so, you know, if you're a farmer, you get sharp rallies like today. If you're looking at making sales, you know, the market almost guarantees it's not going to continue. So it's it's very difficult. And the corn market is providing an opportunity to lock in profits. We're not bullish on corn at, at all. Um, you know, technically, we think the market is making a top. Fundamentally, it's priced about right. I mean, it's basically where the S&Ds and stocks usage ratios, it, it, it should be. Uh, but, you know, the long, the story always has been, you know, you keep any commodity price too high too long, and someone will find a way to grow more of it or use less of it. And we think we're in that stage in the corn market right now. And, you know, we're still looking at close to $7 corn. And, you know, we were almost half of that three years ago. For the week ending October 29th, USDA's Grain Transportation Report says barged grain movement totaled 540,000 tons, 3% more than the previous week, but 35% less than a year ago. 339 barges moved downriver, 26 less than the previous week. The rate to ship a ton of grain from the U.S. Gulf to Japan was $62, 2% less than the previous week. The rate shipped from the Pacific Northwest to Japan was $35.50 per metric ton, down 4% from the previous week. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. USDA's weekly grain transportation report said the week ending October 22nd, U.S. Class 1 railroads originated 24,000 grain carloads, 7% down from the previous week and also last year. It's also a 1% less than the three-year average. Secondary rail car bids and offers were at $1,783 above tariff. That's $194 more than the previous week, 1500 more than last year.
AgeWatch Market Advisors President Dewey Strickler says the action in the wheat market has been disappointing. We've had quite a bit of turmoil in the market uh, here, but the thing that was really, in my opinion, disappointing about the wheat, and that is you're looking at the rating here of uh, winter wheat, 28% good to excellent condition. That's the lowest rating we've had since 2012, and it didn't even budge the needle here on wheat here. So I think that's telling us something here on our wheat, and also, too, uh, our exports look pretty pathetic on the wheat as well as corn here, too. Strickler says the livestock markets are seeing a dead cat bounce. We might still go up and make another new high here in the cattle. Uh, technically, it looks like uh, that we uh, could, but if we start falling below yesterday's low around, let's see, one, about 151, I don't see that happening. Uh, the thing that uh, I think it's going to come back, and I've said all along, huh, these markets, and that is really our uh, our economy here. USDA Chief Economist Seth Meyer on a Farm Foundation forum says a rail strike would cripple not just the poultry industry that needs on-time grain deliveries, but other ag sectors and the economy. A strike over paid sick leave would shut down freight rail for 40% of the nation's long-haul goods, including food and other commodities, and even holiday gifts. A strike could happen as soon as November 19th or as late as December 4th, unless 12 rail unions approve their contracts. Two big unions have already rejected the deal. US, uh, USDA's Deputy Ag Secretary Jewel Bernard uh, participated in a USDA trade mission to Kenya and Tanzania to establish trade relations. Bernard says biotechnology was a main topic of discussion. We really talked about the benefits of ag biotech and how it can improve agricultural productivity, food security, climate change, and uh, increase food safety. But one of the challenges that we heard was the significant drought that all of Africa is experiencing. Certainly, it has impacted agricultural production and the quality of feed for animals. And so we continue to talk about how agricultural biotech can address those issues, uh, allowing opportunities for uh, producing crops for uh, food consumption and grains for feed that is drought-resistant, pest-resistant, resistant and disease-resistant. Bernas says there's still kinks to be worked out before trade can be established. Realizing we still have a few challenges with high tariffs on some products, uh, immediately uh, we were able to have some solid conversations on how we could get more U.S. corn and soybeans to Kenya, uh, dry distillers' grains, uh, improve bovine genetics, and um, opportunities for BT cotton. Uh, from the United States, and, and we really push to expand market access for meat and poultry. So very positive discussions there. Partners for Production Agriculture Economist Steve Meyer says the, mar the hog market has held strong during the fall of this year. I mean, normally we see some weakness to prices, and we are lower than we were in the summer, but uh, I think the, the prices held in pretty well. Um, we've had very strong consumer-level demand in the United States for the last three years, really, and that seems to be holding out very well. And so, um, you know, the hog market is pretty good. Uh, the, the problem is it's costing us a lot to raise these pigs. And so, you know, many producers have sold pigs at loss at the last uh, month or two, even though uh, hog prices have been very strong because 
uh, costs of production are so much higher. They're going to be record high this year and close to that level next year, it looks like. Meyer says unlike the beef industry, drought doesn't influence total hog numbers in the U.S., so product availability, availability can meet demand. For more information on the Red River Farm Network, visit Facebook and Twitter. You can also find stories, podcasts, and more at RRFN. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Let's catch up with Ag Week reporter Jeff Beach. Jeff, what do you have for us on the cover of Ag Week? We're taking a look at uh, colleges that are starting up meat cutting programs to help meet the demand for workers in the livestock processing industry. These colleges have uh, started up programs in the last uh, year or so and, and um, trying to find ways to get more of those kinds of skilled workers into the workforce. Typically, they're courses that um, you could get some sort of certificate in nine months, but uh, you can also kind of stack them with some other classes um, for, uh, you know, to help uh, people who are in, interested in, say, managing a, uh, a small-town meat locker or, uh, or maybe a, a department in, uh, in a part, as part of a chain of grocery stores uh, so that they have, uh, you know, some, some skills beyond just the, the basic meat cutting. Uh, so the campus in Wapaton the campus in uh, Ridgewater College in, in Wilmer, Minnesota, uh, the Staples, Minnesota campus of uh, Central Lakes College are among those that are that are getting things going, and they're they're anticipating more students coming for the the spring semester. It's kind of word starts getting around. The the colleges are there's some differences in how they're going about it. Uh, between some facilities have actual meat cutting equipment that they have access to, others are. Are relying on students to kind of get internships at meat processors to help learn kind of the hands-on skills and and doing some of the uh, the lecturing online. So there's there's a different ways that the different colleges are are going about um, uh, building these programs up. Well, Jeff, sounds interesting. Looking forward to reading about it next week's Ag Week. And let's check markets here before we leave you this noon hour. December wheat Minneapolis is 13 and a half cents higher at 9.56 and a half. Chicago December wheat nine and a quarter higher. Kansas City's up 12 and a half. December corn two and a quarter higher, eight, uh, 6.81 and three quarters. March is up two and a half, 6.87 and a quarter. January soybeans 25 and three quarter cents higher, 14.62 and three quarters. March is up 25 and a quarter at 14.69 and a quarter. January canola, $5.80 a metric ton higher, 902.70 Canadian. December live cattle down 12 cents. November feeders, 5 cents higher. December hogs down 12 cents. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This is the Red River Farm Network.